This is the Club Solutions Magazine Podcast, Supplier Voice Edition. Welcome to the Club Solutions Podcast. My name is Rico Francis, President and Co-Founder of Peak Media and Club Solutions. In this episode, we'll be speaking with Blair McKaney, President and CEO of MXM Medallia. Blair is also owner of the Works of Wenatchee Valley, a two-location health club based in Washington State. Blair, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Rico. Glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, Our purpose today, Blair, is to learn more about you, uh, learn more about your history, and then specifically today we'll focus on MXM and how MXM can help our listeners. Uh, So with that in mind, let's just just dive in. Perfect. Uh, First question, uh, tell us about your personal background, where you grew up, uh, maybe some of your early interests, and then professionally, how you you know, sort of navigated to where you are now. Yeah, so I'm, uh, and I'm, I'm speaking to you from uh, our offices in Wenatchee, Washington, in the middle of the state of Washington, right on the Columbia River here. I grew up mostly here in, uh, in central Washington. And um, I, I'll tell you, Rico, that I, I lifted my, had my first weight training workout when I was 14 years old. I'll be 62 in June, and I've, um, from that first workout, I've never taken a week off. But what that means is uh, for my entire life since I was 14, I have broken a sweat exercising at least three times a week wow. since that first workout. Um, so so my, my point about that is I've always, always been passionate about exercise and, and you know, spent hours in high school drawing layouts of gyms and coming up with names of gyms and thinking I was designing <laughs> equipment. And so all I ever wanted to do was to uh, own gyms. It's th- this is the business I wanted to be in and opened up a uh, first gym right here in Wenatchee in 1983. And so, uh, you know, approaching 40 years and 40 years in the fitness business, but there's some there's obviously some time between being 14 years old and opening first gym at 23. Um, I I spent time, I'm a journeyman carpenter. I spent time in uh, building residential in uh, central Washington and then um, commercial uh, over in the Seattle area, working on some high rises over there. And uh, uh, really still enjoy carpentry tremendously. Um, but that, that was literally how we saved some money up to op- open a gym. So uh, education-wise, everything for me has been, you know, a voracious appetite for learning, but self-taught. I don't have any, any college um, education or anything. And, um, and, and, but, it, you know, it's, uh, sometimes I wish I had. I might have learned some stuff faster. Uh, instead of just trial and error. But over the course of 40 years, I've been uh, pretty fortunate with opportunities, including the opportunity to uh, go to Medallia. And uh, at the time, we were in Palo, our headquarters were in Palo Alto. They're now in San Mateo and be on the executive team. And I served on the executive team there for three years as vice president of strategic initiatives. And from that uh, experience, we created MXM. And so my route to Medallia was because at the time I was a Gold's Gym franchisee. Gold's Gym had purchased Medallia for their entire operation. And I think we had like 400 uh, or more 
franchises at the time. I was president of the association, the Franchisee Association, and helped roll Medallia out to all uh, franchises. Uh, I was very involved in how it was going to be configured from an operator standpoint, and that gave me the background and impetus to really know how to configure it in order to roll it out to the entire fitness industry. Yeah. Cool story. Um, and you definitely are a continuous learner. I had the fortune to be able to observe you and gotten to know you a little bit. Um, you, that's, that's certainly true. Uh, in your role with MXM, describe what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's interesting because the, the, the last year, my day-to-day has been a little bit different because also being a club operator and being, you know, a year ago getting, getting our own clubs shut down, you know, and standing in my own clubs and thinking, oh my God, what are all my customers thinking for MXM, right? I mean, it was a very uh, surreal moment. Um, uh, so, so my day-to-day -day typically would be I'm interacting with uh, our sales team, some, especially on some, on deals that are coming up. I interact continuously with our largest customers. Uh, so I try to stay, you know, at the, at the, at the top of those companies, maintaining a conversation about their goals and what they're doing. Um, I do spend time uh, with our product team because although I am not a technologist, our product team certainly are technologists. I am an operator and a power user of this system, and I and um, and understand how other operators can can use MXM in a in a practical way to drive loyalty, to drive revenue. And when I use that word practical, you know that means how do you use it in practice day to day? That's literally what practical is. Um, so. I, I interact across most of our departments, uh, but my um, my opinion and the opinion of our customers uh, informs tremendously how our how our, our what our product roadmap uh, looks like. Got it. Uh, and we'll come back to um, some of the day-to-day -day uses that you're talking about for, for operators. I know they're going to be really interested to hear more about that. Um, let's, I guess, a way to frame the conversation, talk about member experience. Um, there are a lot of people that talk about, you know, member experience, enhancing the member experience. Um, how does MXM do that? And what makes you all different? from maybe other vendors who, who kind of claim the same, the same thing? Yeah, so uh, yeah, this is, a, this is an interesting question, right? Like um, I'll, I'll name some other things out there, right? Like you, you buy equipment and that affects the member experience. You get new equipment and that affects the experience, especially if they really like the equipment, right? You, um, you bring in my zone and that affects the experience and people, you know, those things affect the experience, affect the experience, but the entire experience is just literally what that customer thinks and feels about your brand after using it continuously. Like that's really what experience is. It's just a collection of memories, positive, negative, neutral. 
And the idea is that companies should create as many positive memories as possible. Those can be small, medium, or large memories, as I, as I would categorize them. Small means that, you know, every day that, that you walk in the door, somebody knows your name, greets you well, that, you know, uh, the place is spotless and you see people that move at the pace of the business and you, and all that translates to you is this is a, this is a place that has their act together. And then when we pull in feedback, we are exposing what exists in your head to that operator. And when you expose what exists in somebody's head about an operation, um, you, then I can understand what Rico thinks about my business because Rico might think something different about my business than Colton thinks about my business. That allows me to address the individual needs of Rico and of Colton but it also allows, as data builds, it allows me to make far more intelligent decisions. And we are just having this conversation in here the other day, and I was trying to get my arms around this concept, Rico, of listening to your, in our case, member. But if you're Apple, why they listen to the customer so much? If you're, you know, and, and every decision you make as, a, as, a, as an operator, as an owner, Every single decision you make should be with the customer in mind, right? So if I'm making decisions about marketing, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm making assumptions about what my market thinks. Like what are they thinking and feeling so that I can say the right message so that I can get their behavior to be to contact me. And so we make assumptions about that. When we design our sales processes, we make assumptions about what the customer is going to feel and what they're going to like. When we, you know, change um, how we train our staff, we make assumptions about what we do is we give you actually real data, right? But like you can make all those freaking assumptions you want. But when you start to listen to the customer, you're, you're now you have that third party information that informs those decisions much, much better. And, um, and then, you know, we talk about making it operational. That literally goes hand in glove with the word practical. You know, so that means that it's uh, happening continuously. And I think of operations as, you know, the, the daily ritual that your company goes through to create the product that you sell, that's operations. And then in our business, what is that product that we, that we sell? You know, and, I, and I will continue to maintain that it's a, it's a member experience. It's, it's, that's our product, is that member experience. So, and this is not a question necessarily plain, but I think, it, I think it's a good one. Um, I would imagine one of the challenges that you hear is you know, access to members, right? Maybe, maybe you don't hear this, but I guess if you could talk through the process of um, how you engage with the club and then obviously their members to get, to get the feedback um, to them, just, just kind of talk our listeners through how that works. Sure. Sure. So we are really good at data integration. So we integrate with every member management software system. So we'll start there. Um, understanding the member experience, you can think about it as kind of the key moments of truth 
uh, for that member. But I want to start with just the main job to be done of any member. And that is, I want to come in and get my exercise today. Now that, the, the, and the way I'm going to do that might be that I'm going to come in and swim laps. It might be that I'm going to play tennis today. It might be that I'm going to work with a personal trainer today. It might be that I'm just going to come in and do my workout. So there's a lot of ways, but I just want, but think about the job to be done as I, I'm coming in, I am a member and I'm going to come in and get my exercise today and then tomorrow and then the next day. And that's kind of the ongoing. So that is the core or what I call the crux of your feedback program then is to understand the relationship between your company and that person that's paying you monthly or yearly or however, however you collect money. And I will say, I've said this many times, it's much more like B2B than B2C. So between, so Rico, you become a member of my clubs here in Wenatchee, works at Wenatchee Valley. There's an agreement that sits between you and access to my clubs. And that agreement that you signed says, we're gonna take this much money from you and we're gonna be open. So that, that's, the, that's the facts of that agreement. The unwritten part of that agreement is all the things that you think. So in other words, if you, if you signed that agreement and then in the first week you found out that uh, the pieces of equipment that you wanted to use were broken, that the time that you come in, it's way too crowded and you're waiting for everything, that the person at the front desk was on their cell phone, doesn't even know your name, and the locker room was filthy, suddenly it feels like I'm not, as the owner, as the club, I'm not living up to my end of the deal. So I always say there is an implied SLA, service level agreement. There is an implied SLA that every single member has in their head about your organization. Every one of them has it. They have an expectation for how clean, how easy your processes are, how friendly your people are, whether they have explicitly said it or not, it exists in their head. And you need to know when you are not in compliance with the self-imposed SLA, service level agreement, that every member has. And so back to, back to the question, sorry, I felt like a segue there. Um, so, so what we wanna know first, where I'm gonna start is how we sample people on a, you know, I'm gonna ask you if, if, if I have your contact information in my system and you're using my club, I'm gonna invite you to provide me feedback. I am going to solicit. This is not unsolicited where you're going on to a review site. I'm going to ask you your opinion. And I'm gonna ask you your opinion explicitly across the main areas that my club, that represents my brand. Okay, so, so MXM is invisible to the member. It's coming from the club that they're a member of. Is that right? Yep. Okay. That's exactly right. Yep, so if you're a member of Works of Wenatchee Valley, you're gonna get an email, looks like it comes from Works of Wenatchee Valley and it's gonna, ask you for feedback based on the, you know, whatever you're doing in our club on a regular basis. Okay, that's, that's the first point to get to. Once that's going, and now you're understanding what your operations looks like to your members, not how you think it's gonna look, but how it actually looks to your members. Now you're gonna have plenty of things to take action on, both on an individual basis, 
with customers on a team basis for coaching teams, um, on a company basis for CapEx, like what do we really need to actually improve in here? What should we be spending money on? Now I'm gonna try to understand a couple other touch points. I wanna ask people when they cancel. I want, I want feedback at cancellation. I want feedback when they sign up for their membership. I want my early member feedback. In other words, the onboarding experience. Now, these are gonna be uh, slightly different metrics, slightly different questions. And I say slightly different because as you, as you start to roll out all of your touch points, you want some common metrics that exist across every touch point so that you can understand how they work, how they're interplaying with each other. And so often people might have their own survey tool and they're, you know, and they, they create questions and boy, that's, that um, is almost always a disaster when people kind of, it just, people mess up how to ask a question so frequently, it's unbelievable. But, you know, companies often end up with sort of these disparate surveys going out without any sort of unified view of what that customer experience is. But the starting point is just that ongoing membership, getting feedback on the ongoing membership basis before you start to look at the other moments of truth. So then, so then do, uh, does, does MXM get the data or does the club get the data or is it happening at the same time? Um, and then after you get the data, then, and this was my question, uh, what happens practically or what should happen uh, practically in the club? Just kind of take us through maybe a couple scenarios. Let, let's, let's start at the small and then start to zoom out. Okay. Rico, Rico goes home, he, he checks or he does it on his, uh, he, gets a, he gets an alert on his phone, we ask for feedback and you provide us feedback and hit submit. That immediately somebody else in the club is gonna get an alert that says Rico just provided feedback and I can either go in on my mobile device or, and I can get into how we coach the closed loop process, like how you should organize that. So typically at, at our club at about nine o'clock in the morning, whoever's, if it's uh, t today's Wednesday, so I think Katie, our GM has Wednesday, she's gonna go in at 9 a.m. and she's gonna log into MXM. And she's gonna see your piece of feedback and probably three or four more other pieces of feedback. And she's gonna click on it because she knows which ones are, have already been responded to. And she's gonna look and, you know, Rico gives us some, you know, great scores on likely to recommend and likely to continue. Uh, gives us some, you know, great feedback. But, you know, as we, as we look down the line, we see that he scored personal training services low and fitness results low. And now I'm, but he never said anything about it. He just said, you guys have a really clean club and your people are all nice. Now Katie's going to respond to Rico and just close the loop with Rico and say, you know, uh, you know, thank you for the feedback. I'm going to share this with our team. I did happen to notice that we could do a better job with our personal training services with you and with uh, fitness results. I'm gonna recommend that our uh, you know, fitness director, Carrie Hall, contact you. And so that's, that's what's happening on the micro level. But those metrics where you scored us across maybe 15 different things and the words that you used are now going in with a bunch of other scores and a bunch of other words so that we can then start to find trends. We'll use text analytics 
to really understand what are the main themes that all of our members are talking about. But we also need to have scores. Like in order to understand and manage member experience, you have to keep score. Right. And so, you know, our front desk team, they meet every Wednesday. They keep score. And they know what the net promoter, trailing 90 day net promoter score is. That's what we use is what we call current score. But they also know their front desk staff friendliness scores. And then every Wednesday, there's going to be a few member comments that are used that say, you know, where they're bragging about our front desk. And those are going to be used in that meeting by the front desk manager to keep them, you know, keep their morale up about saying, yes, people love you guys. And here's, and if there's any comments for coaching, they're going to use certain comments for coaching. But that happens with that throughout every department. And then some of the key things that you do as data starts to build, you can start to mine that data to find out where the main pain points are with members. And oftentimes it's, it's well, more often than not, it's processes, it's policies, it's business practices. And you know you don't realize maybe that some of the things that you put in place in order to operate your club might've been what you thought were good for the club, but they're crappy for the customer. And just gives you so many opportunities to continuously improve your product. And you, can you give maybe one, maybe the most common um, gap that your customers or, or clubs operators see across your customer group and, and then how they go about trying to close that gap or improve that area? Um, so there, there's a great, word search that you can do it uh there's well there's there's a lot of keywords that you would search to understand process pain but when you said gap the word that came to mind for me and i did this for a customer just the other day that has a bunch of locations they just said well let's just word search promise you word search promise and then start to read why are why are customers using the word promise or promised or promising or they're almost always using it to describe a gap between what they were told they were buying and what they bought. And so you see that when people say, when I joined, I was promised and here's what's actually happening. Or when I bought personal training, I was promised and here's what's actually happening. So oftentimes there, is, there are gaps in how we sell and what we deliver. That's a big gap. Um, I did a, uh, seminar one time for a group. There were probably 150 owners in the room and they were all on Medallia and it was franchise group. And, um, I had been given access to all their information. And I, and I, I said to the group, how many of you in this room believe that your front desk is awesome and delivers a great experience? So you know, no one's going to leave their hand down, right? This is such a, this was such a setup, right? So, you know, a hundred and something owners put their, put their hand in the air. And said, so what if I told you that only 10 of you did? And the, and only 10 did. And the way I, and the way I'm quantifying that is I'm saying, um, an excellent experience is a trailing 90 day front desk staff friendliness score of 9.0 or greater. Now in our clubs, it's, you don't go below 9.3. No staff friendliness touch point should go below 9.3. Sometimes they do drift down there and then we just got to get back on track. But there's another gap. 
So you're looking for a gap. I mean, like 90 something owners had a gap in what they expected of their front desk and what their front desk was able to deliver. Sure. And, and then, and then I'll, I'll keep going on it for a second, Rico. And then in a practical sense, what's causing the gap? Is it that we aren't training them well enough or frequently you have given them policies to enforce frequently um, that make it hard for them to deliver a great experience. I will say this, we see less and less of that with our customers now where they have kind of realized that the hosts and hostesses of that club is that front desk and let's not make them the enforcer of, of you know, of a policy that is uncomfortable for the, for both them and the member. So is that, you know, you gave an example of the front desk. Um, is that how most members articulate their dissatisfaction or, or the, you know, the lower scores tend to come in um, looking like, it's front desk related. Is that, is that how most of them, or is that one of the big ones? Uh, well, I, I'll tell, I'll tell you this front desk is front desk staff friendliness is one of the biggest drivers of customer loyalty. Okay. You could possibly have, um, other, when you see other friendliness scores drift down, like personal training friendliness, that starts to drift downward when your trainers are only talking to their customers. You know, the people that take personal training are going to score your trainers pretty high on friendliness. Right. People that are saying, you know, the trainers only talk to somebody that's paying them and say, we really coach trainers to be highly aware of the entire room and that, and be aware that people are watching you interact and they're watching to see, you know, and when you interact with your client and with the person that just came over, that's exercising by themselves and you say good morning to them that somebody over here saw that interaction and the more people that you can interact with the the more that you are demonstrating our brand to everybody in the room so um it's it, but any any touch point this should just never slump i mean i mean friendliness should never slump you know how much how much does mxm get involved in um making I don't know, recommendations or suggestions, um, you know, in terms of the solutions part of it, right? So you've got, you know, you're, you're gathering the data, um, surveying the members uh, through them, and then there's the, uh-oh, <laughs> you know, our score here is lower than it should be or than we thought. How much conversation do you have around that part of it? Um, so with, with some of our larger customers, we have some full-on consultation services that we do with some of our larger customers. Okay. With uh, smaller customers, we, we would typically be doing twice a year our MXM Institute, where we actually, people can come in for two days and we actually teach them some of the best practices and have case studies from other gyms and that. Um, and then our customer success team is in constant, you know, um, rotational communication with all of our customers and our entire customer success team comes from the gym business. And so they can interact. In fact, Jenny, that leads our customer success team was my general manager for 18 years um, and ran 
and, you know, and ran our program for years at our club. So she comes with real practical experience. And, uh, and so the customer success team communicates that constantly with, uh, as they circle back and meet with customers. Very good. Can you share uh, maybe some specific examples? And if you can't, that's fine to understand. Uh, you know, you can't talk about a customer specifically, but can you share maybe um, just a couple success stories or describe I guess a couple of success stories, you know, where you had a club that went from really, really poor scores um, and to, you know, just outstanding. Um, and then what the impact for them on the bottom line maybe was. Um, so, so, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so let's take one in particular. And the reason I like this story is because um, the CEO, the new CEO of this company, he came in and he was all about the member experience, right? I mean, he, he, he wanted to build a great company. The core sort of legacy clubs that he inherited when he came in have been sort of gutted of their services in order to ramp up the EBITDA in order to, to sell. So they, they sold these core clubs. They discovered they were bleeding members. They brought in a new CEO um, and so, so the, let's, let's just talk about scores for a minute here over the course of, uh, three and a half years, started off with a minus seven net promoter score. A lot of people don't realize there's minus, there's a minus side, <laughs> yeah. but it's, uh, it goes from minus 100 to plus 100. So a minus seven net promoter score. Um, I think their average, uh, Yelp rating was about 1.5 in all their locations. They have private equity money and needed to grow very fast. Um, we brought in MXM and I began uh, working with them uh, to help create alignment around the member experience. Like what is our member experience strategy? What are, you know, we need to measure, in order to understand if we're on strategy, then we have to understand certain things about the member experience. And then we started to uh, set goals around uh, cleanliness, friendliness, started to change then a lot of processes. Um, and over time, they're now sitting at about 45 and they've grown tremendously. So that's what a really cool part of the story, Rico, is that they, they grew constantly during this time and got from a minus seven so far to a 45. When we pull out those original legacy clubs to say, well, wait a minute, maybe the old clubs, maybe those old clubs, maybe what we're seeing is all this shored up by all these new, really cool clubs. No, nope. pulled out the old clubs and they follow the exact same trajectory. Mm. So we went back and we looked at the, the first three years and we said, let's just look at just the legacy clubs. Let's look at what the improvement was on net promoter score on front desk staff friendliness, that was a big key for us, club cleanliness and equipment condition over three years across the legacy clubs. Uh, and then let's look at uh, cancellations and even. So uh, to cut to the chase on, on this story, oh, and then we decided let's only look at the jump in EBITDA and the reduction in cancellations from year two to year three. And the reason we did that was because the first part, they, they said, look, the quick win here is to just buy a bunch of new equipment. 
right? Because they had a bunch of stuff that was just bad. We had so much feedback about their equipment. So they said, well, let's just fix that. So bought a bunch of new equipment, fixed the lighting, painted the places, redid tile, that a, a lot of CapEx stuff. That bumped that, that net promoter score and the any, any scores related to facility, that bumped it, you know, a decent amount. But then we started to work on nothing but process. Cancellation process, uh, the, the personal training sales process, how we, how we are sourcing and hiring and training and scoring friendliness and getting the GMs involved in, okay, uh, the, across those original 16 uh, clubs, they reduced attrition. Now attrition was very high originally. It was somewhere around 64% attrition across the 16 club, reduced it down to 42%. Um, the average EBITDA per club was just north of $100,000 per club. So $1.6 million a year just on the original 16 clubs. But it also then said it informed what you needed to scale, right? They're out there growing now. Now you have a really good idea of, dang, these things that we put in place and how we're doing these things, this is right. Right. Let's scale that. Yeah. Yes. Very good. Um, so we've, you know, I mean, the last year has been, um, I don't even know how to really describe it for our industry. And you know, we've all felt it. Well, we're coming out of that now. Um, and most clubs in the country are in some form of operational. I do. I know there are yeah. still some that aren't. Yeah. Um, so we're still having to deal with the effects of COVID-19, I guess. Um, now, given where we are, are there specific challenges related to COVID-19 um, that MXN can help with? Yeah, um, several. I've, and as, as our clubs come back on, we made sure that we understood through using our text analytics, like what are the things that members are now really concerned about relative to COVID-19? So we have um, what we call a series of what we call healthy clubs questions in there and understanding there's, there's some key things that you need to, that members need to give you feedback on. How easy is it for me to clean and sanitize my hands? How easy is it for me to clean and sanitize the equipment? How easy is it for me to social distance? And then um, how satisfied am I with the diligence of other members to clean and sanitize? Those are four things that customers have been um, very vocal about. And so we want people to understand a metric around each of those. Um, <clears throat> the social distancing question, we are, we are encouraging, we have, we have one group group now that's been open for a while and that we are sunsetting and changing it to, uh, because I, I just think those words should go away, hmm. you know, and, uh, and it's really how satisfied are you with, I, I'm, I'm with sort of how satisfied are you with how crowded the club is? I wouldn't use the word crowded there. And I, I'm, I'm, I forget how many, how we exactly worded it. But, but that's gonna be a touchy subject. It was never good before COVID-19, right? To be overcrowded. Right. It's way worse now. 
And, and you're going to really need to know that it's going to be important. Your customers are going to want to give you feedback about how diligent the other members are that they observe uh, in cleaning and sanitizing. So th those are some of the key things. We did come out with another, you know, we did a series of free products for anybody in the industry throughout this. We have another one out there we, right now that we call uh, bounce back feedback. And it can be sent to everybody that's on freeze. It can be sent to everybody. And what we're trying to learn in this is, yes, we want likely to recommend and, and reason for that. But we ask uh, five other things. Um, and it's, I'm gonna, <clears throat> it's something like this, Rico. We see part of our job is to help you create an exercise habit. Can you please tell us you know, where you fall in the following? I really know my way around a gym. I'm good to go. Um, it's great to be back, but I could use a refresher. Um, I'm back and I'm exercising, but I lack some motivation. And so we have a series of questions like that. So people can sort of self-select the level of help they want from you. And then you can close the loop and say, Rako, I see that you could use a few more exercises was your response here. I'm going to have somebody contact you and we're going to, you know, so um, we're the, we call that the bounce, bounce back feedback. And that, that's actually free to anybody that wants to use it right now. Very good. Um, so we've covered a lot of ground, but there may be, I guess I'll ask the question this way. Is, is there one thing that maybe you'd like our listeners to know that, um, like I said, you've covered a lot of ground, but maybe one thing that is either a misperception or one thing about MXM that maybe they don't know? Um, yeah, and a lot of people don't know what our product roadmap looks like. And, um, yet, you know, we'll start to roll that out more and more. And I, I won't go through it here right now, but the, the, we are the beneficiary of Medallia, right? So Medallia is publicly traded. They own 19% of us, of MXM. And uh, one of the reasons we've been successful is because we don't have to take our money and like do all of our own R&D. Mm -hmm. You've got a multi-billion dollar company doing R&D and handing us those innovations, right? Well, there's some really amazing acquisitions Medallia has done in the last few years. And that, and that a lot of what they've acquired and a lot of the new technology there is coming. We get the benefit of that into MXM. So, so that's one thing that a lot of people don't know is we have an incredible product team. They work on the configuration and making everything work for the fitness industry. But the, the hundreds of millions of dollars every year in R&D is a publicly traded, you know, kick-ass technology company. And so that, that is, a, that is a, a nice flow through. One of, the, one of the misconceptions I think about this, and uh, I've got a friend who's an owner that I, I reached out to him and I said, dude, you need to, get, you need to start getting your member feedback, man. You, and said, well, here's what I've got going on. I've, I've just consolidated my sales and front desk team. And we just changed our sales process and we're switching from one-on-one -on -one PT to all group PT. So I need to get these things in place. And then I'm going to, but are you out of your mind? This is exactly, you know, you're not, you're, you're not creating more work by listening to your customers. It's the damn job you should be doing, especially when you're changing stuff up, right? Just 
start getting the information. Even if you don't close the loop with anybody, good God, you're making that many changes <laughs> and, you're, and you don't know what the customer thinks about it. There isn't an enterprise company out there that would do that, right? There isn't. And I, that's the thing. I really want to get more and more people in this because we're so fractured, Rico, right? I mean, there's only a few enterprises in, uh, you know, in our industry. And some of the enterprises are made up of just a lot of small businesses, you know, and that's a form of franchisees. And so, you know, I want more and more operators to recognize that they can be making a different, they can be operating at a different level of sophistication by just listening to their customer. And that that's just the norm. It's like, you know, it, it, it should be like, um, You've probably heard me use this example before at one of our leadership summits, right? Where I've said, you know, there was a time when a clipboard at the front desk with people signing in was all you needed, right? Now, now why do I need your computer system for my members, right? And customer feedback, member feedback should just be a freaking utility in any, you know, should be like you have running water and air conditioning and a member management system. Yeah, you, you should be getting member feedback every day. Yeah, my, a bit of a rant. Sorry about that. Oh, that's good. That's good stuff. <laughs> that's uh, uh, I agree. Um, future plans. What are the What are the future plans? Maybe um, I don't know. Near term, twelve to eighteen months, and then maybe longer term for for MXM. Yeah. So uh, near term, it's to our number one focus is to get our existing customers, help them get back up on their feet, um, utilize the relationships we've built in this industry to get new customers. Uh, we would love anybody, anybody listening out there that's not our customer, we'd love you to contact us and, and uh, you know, and just see what we do and how we can help. Um, our future plans. Um you know, we, we think that we should have a third of the clubs that exist on our platform. That, that's, that's what we're focused on. And we're focused on bringing in the new Medallia technologies into our platform so that we can, you know, we we're trying to deliver what normally only enterprises could afford. We are, you know, productizing and making it available to operators that look just like me. You know, one or two clubs in a rural part of the US. And we can achieve that, then, you know, we can we can work with the equinoxes of the world and the EOSs and fitness connections and Houstonians, but also the works of Wenatchee Valley clubs. And um, we think there's an opportunity to lift the entire industry to, to a different level and we think that opportunity is only heightened uh, coming out of this pandemic. Great stuff, Blair. If our listeners are interested in contacting you or your company, what's the best way for them to do that? They should contact demo, D-E-M-O, at mxmetrics.com. Demo at mxmetrics.com. Got it. Blair, thanks for joining me on the Club Solutions podcast today. It's great getting to spend time with you and getting to hear more about MXM. I wish you continued success in the future. Rico, thank you, man. Always good talking to you. 